Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning into the I Hear Design podcast. This is Robert Yaminen, Chief Content Director for Interiors and Sources. As I'm recording this episode, the U.S. just hit a grim milestone of 50,000 deaths from the COVID-19 virus, and the number of reported cases has reached 872,000. The numbers are alarming, especially in light of the fact that many states are making preparations to open in the very near future, and no one knows exactly what kind of impact that's going to have. What's not as widely reported in the media, uh, although it was at first uh, when at the start of the pandemic and is, and is assumed to some extent, is that the majority of the, those people who have died from this pandemic are seniors. And while coronavirus isn't exclusive to them, obviously, they are inherently at greater risk of infection. So how is this affecting the senior living market and what can be done to help protect some of the most vulnerable people in our population? I've asked Jane Rohde of JSR Associates to join me today, as I don't think there's anyone who uh, knows and understands this group or the challenges they face better than her. So Jane, thanks for being here as always. Thanks, Robert, so much. I so appreciate it. Uh, Your background number of the deaths to date is is sobering for sure. Uh, I had evaluated the the deaths in nursing homes earlier this week in in preparation for our conversation, and we're up to 7,000 deaths in nursing homes uh, across Mm -hmm. the United States. And uh, I I think that uh, we have lessons to learn here, but I also think that we have to be very cautious because I posted an article this week about not blaming the nursing home industry and the caregivers uh, that mm-hmm. work within those settings. Because we've seen a lot of this trying to physician blame, and this is not time for blame. It's time right. for looking at humanity and looking at the processes. Um, but I also think it's time to evaluate the system because it's the system that has failed everyone, including mm-hmm. the elders and the caregivers, in my my opinion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I know there is some encouraging news about some of the numbers. You know, the curve's starting to flatten a little bit, but it's, you know, obviously far from over. And, and you're right, we do have to um, think about what to, what to do about it and what, what to do next as far as the future. But um, as far as right now in the senior living market, um, what are you seeing as far as the impact of the COVID pandemic? Like, like how bad are things? Things are bad. Uh, things are bad for multiple reasons, and one of those being that, most of the people who work within the caregiving settings that are caregivers, and this is one of the reasons I think you saw New Jersey and a couple of the other facilities in Maryland, why the spike went up so quickly, is that the majority of caregivers who work in that industry have more than one or two jobs and work in multiple facilities in order to make a living wage. So as a result, people, before we really knew what the extent of it was or that people were catching it or it was something else that wasn't uh, a flu uh, exactly, it was actually something else and it was COVID-19 or recognized as COVID-19, unfortunately, a lot of those workers had already been in various facilities. Uh, So that made it difficult to trace and track. And then with the lack of, of testing, it just added and compounded to it. Uh, so I think that the, the one part of it that, that really needs to be evaluated, and I've seen a lot more uh, emphasis on this in the news the last couple of days, is how to get not just the uh, personal protective equipment to those who work in hospitals, but also get it to those who work in nursing homes. And I, I think that that doesn't just fall to the care staff, that falls to your environmental services staff, that falls to, uh, you know, everyone who's working within the facility. Um, and then there's the, the other part of it that is the sad part of it. It's when someone passes away and a loved one cannot be with them. Uh, one of my very close friends, we had a good conversation yesterday, 
her mom has dementia and her dad lives in the home that they both shared before she moved into the facility. And he was actually allowed to see her yesterday for the first time in, in many weeks. And it, it, it's just startling at how he was used to helping take care of her before she got sick and before she, she had dementia symptoms. But then during this whole episode with her living in assisted living and being able to be close to them. And so they had all kinds of creative things. They would send in a care package. The care package would then go in with the caregiver and then they would read a note or a letter to her mom and all these beautiful little teeny things that they were able to do. And then last week, uh, I guess earlier this week, I'm sorry, he, he got to see her for the first time. And, and so granted, she has dementia. Hello, how are you? Yes, it's good to see you. Mm. Not a lot of you know recognition, but for the loved one and the caregiver, it was huge. Um, yeah. So I think that that is the that's the saddest part is not being able to be with a loved one. You don't want them to a die alone or die without you. Um, and this doesn't yeah. go just from the skilled nursing either. I mean, this is this is a hospice issue, right? So every care facility, including hospice facilities, have tried to prevent the spread of the virus. So that meant uh, basically secluding people. Uh, so this has been a very hard time on, on the caregiver, on people who are chronically ill or terminally ill, um, to not be able to, you know, be with their loved ones. And so um, I try to keep that in mind when we look at the overall industry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I know I just personally, I know of a, of a gentleman who's been in a, in a rest home and, and had to go, you know, for a medical procedure. And his wife was really ill and she passed away and he wasn't able to, to you know, say goodbye or, or pay his last respects and it's just been really heartbreaking you know and and you're right I mean just that isolation there in in those situations is yeah it's, it's just heartbreaking um I was encouraged though I mean just from a story from my local church where um, they donated a bunch of uh, tablets to uh, some of the senior living facilities so that people could um you know have connections with their loved ones and kind of showing them how to use it which was really cool uh, I thought but uh, you know there are there, there's bright spots too but yeah it is a, a very difficult and, and uh, situation to, to deal with, you know, but what would you, you find, oh, um, oh, I was going to say on Instagram, if you uh, follow hashtag senior living, there's great stories of positive interaction and how staff mm. are keeping activities or they call it hallway bingo, um, where people are actually six <laughs> feet apart, but they're down the hall. Um, but there's also things like interactions of people doing signs and saying, hey, I'm okay. And, and they post the groups of different residents giving people messages to the outside and to the inside. So awesome. people and the amazing caregivers that we have in the long-term care market are doing an amazing job to try to keep themselves healthy, you know, their family safe, as well as keeping our residents um, safe and at least in a, in a good in a good place as good can be expected. Right. Yeah. And that was hashtag senior living, you said? Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. I just want to make sure all the listeners uh, get that as well. So um, I, you touched on some of the challenges, I think, that are facing um, senior living facilities. Um, what, what are some other things? What are some challenges or needs um, that you see right now? And what ways, you know, if any, can designers um, uh, help senior populations? I think it's, um, this is the same conversation I've had with manufacturers of products too. This is a, this is a time where you ask what they need and try to provide it. So I know that uh, we were talking earlier about how everyone making masks is making masks who can because they want to do something to help. And I think everybody does. Uh, so they, you can also, um, there's different services that you can go into and, and they'll allow you to, um, be able to, 
uh, go in and, and visit with a senior, basically. And so it would be a virtual opportunity or a letter writing opportunity or something else that may allow somebody to be able to connect with a senior. So I think it's mostly that, and it's also the senior population in general. If you know you have an elderly neighbor or you know you have somebody in your life. Like I talk to my parents so much more frequently um, and of course, you know, my, my dad doesn't have a cell phone. He has a, you know, what looks like a, a, a drug or a drug uh, dealer burner phone because he just puts minutes on it because he never uses it. So I can't mm -hmm. use a smartphone and his new computer, for whatever reason, the screen doesn't have a camera in it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so okay. that kind, that was very difficult for me. Right. So we've been able to talk, we've talked much more frequently. Um, I've learned all kinds of things about hunting and things that I might need if this really goes further south from my father. I mean, uh, unbelievable kind of, you know, information. But I think mostly designers can help by finding out who needs what in the community. Um, and it could be in numerous things. It could be anything from, you know, different deliveries of food to whatever the processes are. Um, fortunately, most facilities do have a reserve but most um, do not have the protective gear that they need. Um, and that would be a, that would be to me, that would be one thing to find out about and see if you can help assist with that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to know. I'm sure the listeners will appreciate that. So, um, and obviously I think, you know, making sure we protect people is the most important, but um, there is the economic side of this as well. Uh, do you have a sense of, of what the impact this is having on the senior living market or that it will have um, moving forward? Yeah, I've been listening to um, some NIC, the National Investment Center, uh, is a good source for information about seeing what's going to be happening. Um, I think that from the assisted living and the market rate side and the independent living, there was one statement that I thought was interesting is that we're going to see a, a larger advancement potentially in the independent living side, so more like your multifamily but for older adults. And I, I could see that. Um, it's going to really depend on what happens in the housing market, too, because similar to 2009, if the housing market takes a dip down, that's also going to impact seniors as well as it'll impact everybody. Uh, mm -hmm. so, so trying to follow that. Uh, they believed um, that it, it'll be a much slower fill-up if you do have projects that have been under construction and, and have been um, approved and are moving forward. But there's been sort of a halt in financing new projects that people just don't know kind of what the future is going to hold. So you're going to see a lag time, I think. Uh, you're going to see uh, a stress on the um, assisted living marketplace. Uh, there was, uh, I'll say crystal ball pro projections, if you will, um, somewhere between 12 and 18 months before we see the, the pickup back again. Um, and that would depend on what happens in the fall. So if there's a reinfection of COVID-19 and we're back into some type of uh, shelter in place or quarantine situation, um, that could impact the, the market more deeply. However, the demographic uh, on the upside, the demographic is so large and the need is so large that everyone believes that the market may look a little bit different, but it's definitely going to still move forward in the future. So uh, the, the market losses and drops that we saw through the real estate investment trust have actually um, improved. Since, since it started in March. So, so that was a good, good sign. On the uh, other side of it, though, with the skilled nursing, so, so this is my, my, my hope and dream of what will happen with the market is that perhaps now the, the federal government will finally realize, I mean, we've, we've really, the skilled nursing uh, industry as a whole, um, they cut Medicaid funding right before all of this happened. They were already strapped on uh, every kind of, of reimbursement that there is, 
And I think that the Center for Medicaid and Medicare, they, they not only have to, uh, they provide the regulation of what you have to do, but then they also limit the amount of your reimbursement. And somehow I think there needs to be more separation in that policy. Uh, we need to look at actually caring for our elders and not saying things like, oh, they're just going to die anyway. And, and to me, that is the most horrific thing you could actually say about any segment of our, our population. These are lovely people who, who had lovely lives and, and had children and families and jobs and, and worked hard. And they are in that marketplace where they cannot afford the private pay numbers. So if we can look at that from a uh, overall industry side, this is what I'm hoping will happen is that the smaller units with, with staff that are uh, assigned specifically to a group. So if we did a small house or a household, uh, that, that would be no more than 16 residents and that you had a staff that was dedicated to that group and that staff could actually have a living wage so that they didn't have to work in multiple facilities. Um, mm -hmm. Then if that was the situation, you could reduce any kind of spread of anything. Um, we know COVID-19 is, is, yes, it's one, but there's others. And this is going to happen again. And mm -hmm. as this, as we evaluate that, if we evaluate the design model and the care model differently, I think that we could prevent uh, the type of destruction that we're seeing in the in the nursing home model. Uh, it was never intended for people to live for a long period of time within a, a double loaded corridor that looks like a hospital and an institution. It was never meant to be that, and that's what it's become. And with the cuts that we've seen and the continual cuts, it's not helping. The other part is the hospitals are, as the hospitals are uh, discharging people, typically they've been discharging them for a rehab rate into that would be supplied by Medicare into a nursing home. Well, now when they had COVID-19 patients and discharging them, they couldn't send them there. Um, and the higher and higher acuity of patients that get sent to a nursing home, they're not really structured to take care of that higher acuity uh, patient. Uh, they, the, they haven't been for a long time. And that, that is part of the, how the industry has been shaped over the years. Uh, and I also think you see um, residents that uh, have, have lived in those facilities for 10 or 15 years, not, not for a short period of time or a couple of months. And so when someone does go in for, for rehab, um, it used to be that you had even infection control rooms and you had negative pressure and positive pressure in certain rooms and things like that. So it was more of an acute care base. And that kind of went to the wayside because there wasn't the capability of taking care of people with an infectious disease. So as soon as that happened within a nursing home setting, typically the resident would go to a hospital. Well, in the COVID-19 situation, they were trying to reverse that with post-COVID-19 patients, and that wasn't going to happen. And you weren't going to send a nursing home resident to the hospital with COVID-19 necessarily because mm -hmm. you wouldn't necessarily want them to be exposed to other things or, or potentially not have the symptoms but not be as severe as of the symptoms. So how do you contain that within the nursing home environment? Um, right. so, so that's been kind of part of the overall market. So I, I'm hoping that the, the government will step up and see this, that we'll have enough advocacy and that We've been talking a lot. I talk with one group every Tuesday. We've been talking about um, what if we started looking at it from an advocacy perspective of the adult child says, no, this isn't okay anymore. Um, and the adult child has that voice and has that power in many ways, whether it's the dollar or the vote or whatever, um, to change the industry in, in the positive ways that we need it to change. Um, mm -hmm. If you can picture a, 
million women march. I'd like to see a million elders march. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I do. I, I share that hope that um, that we can change uh, the model now, so that um, as you mentioned, this is going to happen again. Um, and and speaking of which, um, I'm sure you get this question a lot, but uh, do you have a sense of of how this will change the way we design for senior living um, following the, the pandemic? Yes, I, I definitely do. I think that uh, people who believe that the facility market is just going to continue on the way it is, I think they have their heads in the sand a little bit. I think they need to start looking at how do I shift for higher needs uh, in memory care. Uh, many have looked at doing households and small houses and of 8 to 16 residents in a group. I think that's really the design model that needs to be brought about. I think decentralization of services is another another good one that needs to happen and it will impact the design. Uh, I think that uh, providers, uh, I think they have been very nervous to change their culture or change their care model because they're used to what they know. And mm -hmm. I think if people could get over that it's okay to change and that nothing is ever going to be the same after COVID-19, that they could open themselves up to that dialogue of what's the possibilities instead of only using what I know. This isn't a tweak. This is a reevaluation of the industry. And how can we help that? And how can that impact design? Um, we've already seen residents, uh, boomers particularly, living in the same apartment complexes that uh, millennials live in. I think we're going to see more of that in, in evaluating how do we take care of people at home better. Um, we had this conversation about what if we looked at instead of B2B and business to business, what if you looked at it from family to family, almost as a cottage mm -hmm. business? So if I was someone who lost my job or got displaced because of COVID-19, what if I started helping take care of three elders? What, is there a program for that? Is there something that could help other people do the working? It goes back to a localized economy. And when we start looking at it localized again, it, it's a whole different way. We've been working in a global economy for a very long time. And now we're kind of looking at it. You can see it with how the states are making their own decisions about things and how people are looking at their jobs and no longer being able to travel. I mean, I used to travel three weeks out of a month, you know, same with you. I mean, we we right. see each other everywhere. Yeah. And so, so if that's not going to be the case anymore and the future of that has changed and shifted, what does that mean from an educational perspective? But what does that mean to our local economy? And so can we shift up? and make something different out of this that could be good. And yes, I think it's going to impact design. I think it's going to impact both residential and commercial and how we live. How many people are going to go back to a workspace after this, mm -hmm. or right. aren't they going to do that, right? Um, yeah, a few years ago, we were our, we got displaced because of a flood. And in many ways, I think that that prepared us for this as a, as a company. But by the same flip side, it's like, oh, dear, it, the, the negative parts of it, though, we still hadn't overcome those. <laughs> you know, so, um, so this is, a, this is a time for reflection, and it's a time for understanding. And I think we're going to end up look, looking, in, looking at mental health a little bit differently, too, because you're going to have some post-traumatic stress disorders after this, um, for sure, um, oh, yeah. for people in terms of various mental health issues um, and for various reasons. And I think that... We need to kind of remain kind in that and then look for the opportunities in design because I think they're definitely there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
I can agree more with you there, and, and I think it's good good advice there. You know, um, being kind. But so, just to kind of conclude things here, um, are there things that you're hopeful about in terms of, of thinking about? You know, once we get out of this pandemic, um, things that just kind of inspire you as far as, as what you see uh, or hope to see uh, after this? Yes, I think that uh, I think collaboration is going to become even more important. Um, we did a, a, a circle conference one day with ASAD and keeping up with other folks from IADA and AIA and, and the different healthcare associations that I belong to. Uh, I've ended up talking to people that I haven't talked to for a very long time. It was almost like that pause button allowed us to do that. And I think as a result, we're going to come up with some creative ways of starting to bridge and work together. Uh, we're going to need to do this. We're going to need to do this to support the various industries. Uh, a lot of discussion around things like retail and will retail recover? Well, retail already wasn't in a very good place, right? So mm -hmm. what will retail look like for the future? And how is that going to impact all of our other areas of, of living? And it may uh, have us evaluate differently how we look at models for um, senior living care in terms of adult day, in terms of uh, grouping and how we come together in a group. Uh, and I think that hopefully that the design of it will also be impacted, that the care models will be impacted positively. There, if, if this doesn't shake people up enough to do something different, I don't know what you could ever do that would, would do that. Uh, so, so I'm thinking that uh, the amount of time, and depending how long this goes, I, I saw one quote that I thought was really good, that this is a time where entrepreneurs and, and thinkers have time, more time to think than they usually do. And perhaps we will see new ways of doing all kinds of different ways of, of doing business and, and looking at that. And, and so if you apply that with the elder lens, I'm just thinking that the sensitivity of it, I've had people go, uh, today I had a, an email from a friend and she says, hey, don't you have those videos all about long-term care and what we could be doing and all that kind of, mm -hmm. do you think I could get some of those to my whole staff? We're really interested in what this is going to look like and how we could help. And so right. that means that people who haven't been interested in elder care before, I think they will be. And that's what I'm hoping is that we get enough people behind the movement of change. Because uh, my question always is, why isn't person-centered care at a tipping point? And if this can help create a tipping point for person-centered care, and mm -hmm. we actually appreciate our elders and children aging out of foster care and all the other vulnerable populations that mean a lot to me, uh, perhaps we'll actually can make some really positive change for the future. Absolutely. I certainly hope so, too. So, Well, thanks, Jane. I, I know this has been a difficult time, and I appreciate you offering your perspectives on how this has and will continue to impact our senior living communities and design overall. For our listeners out there, we hope you all stay safe and healthy. For more coverage on COVID-19 and how it's impacting the design industry overall, visit us at interiorsandsources.com. Until next time, thanks and be well, everyone.